love your presence. We love worship. We love the move of the Holy Spirit. And here in, here in a little bit, we'll pray for people, and God's going to powerfully touch people. But, but Lord, we need your word. And I pray tonight as we, as we get into this, Lord, that you'll come upon me and speak through me. And let your word go out, as, as Jesus talked about the parable of the seed and sowers, as the, the living seeds of truth going out into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives. That I ask you, Lord, by the presence and power of your spirit, to help us, Lord, to lock in to what you're speaking, to lock our minds in, um, to not be distracted, but to really, that the Holy Spirit help us to be able to understand things and to anoint our eyes and ears, to have eyes and ears of the Spirit, and help us, Lord, to be good, fertile soil, but just by the power of your Holy Spirit, just to captivate us and help us to really get everything you want uh, us to receive during this time of your word. But let the word go out. It's going to be those seeds of truth in people. Let those seeds be planted in good, fertile soil. Let your Holy Spirit water those seeds of truth in people and cause them to take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And that there'll be a washing of the water of the word of God and the light of truth to shine forth and dispel all the darkness, the lies, the evil, the deception. You know, even pet doctrines and, and religion and all that stuff, but just dispel all the darkness and bring truth bring revelation, bring life. Lord, we love your word. Thank you for your word. Where would we be today without the word of God? So, Lord, let this time go forth and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do. And we thank you for it. We bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I wanted to tell you guys real quick, though, and uh, this isn't in the notes, but First Timothy 1, verse 18. This has actually been on my heart for a couple weeks. And last night, it obviously, I really thought about it because some things going on, but uh, 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might fight the good fight. So God gives us prophetic words in our lives, especially back, I have words that go back 10, 20 years that God's given me. And I stand on those words just like Paul was telling Timothy to do here. Because Satan will try to fight and resist us. But we know that the, the prophetic word, the Lord, when we have that word, we can stand in faith and we can fight in prayer and fasting to lay hold of what God has promised us. Amen? So here's the, a different version. The NIV says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Isn't that something? So these words that God gives you, when it's a true word of the Lord, I encourage you to remember it. You know, write it down, pray about it, because uh, Satan will try to resist. But as you, as you have faith, see, those words will give you the faith you need to fight the spiritual warfare that will come. Because there's been times that I've, I have felt like giving up, but I would recall prophetic words that I knew were God, and, man, I would just be like, you know, I'm not going to let the devil win. And I'm going to press on. And I would begin to pray about those things. And it would give me that strength I needed. So these words are very powerful, very important. All right, so John 1.14. We'll talk tonight about the atmosphere of your home. The Bible says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is the word tabernacled. Jesus was the living, 
Torah, the first five books. Okay, he's a living word of God. He was the word made flesh and dwelled among us. He walked in as the word. And it says, we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It has always been God's desire to dwell with us, hasn't it? So when you, get, when you look at this scripture, go back in your mind to where Adam and Eve, they were in the garden, and the Bible says that God came down and, and walked among them in the cool of the day. Maybe if you could bring my mic down just, just a touch. It's a little hot. And they would walk with them during the cool of the day, and they dwelt with God. And, but whenever sin came in, sin separated them from God. And ever since that time, God has been doing a systematic series of events where he called Abraham. He, he made the nation of Israel. He brought forth the revelation. And ultimately, in the fullness of time, his son came into the earth. But you've got to understand that when you read the book of Revelation, you read the very end, God, it says that the dwelling of God, the new Jerusalem will come down, and the dwelling of God will be with man and man with God forever. So a thousand years is as a day to God. We're looking at this going, man, this is so mind-boggling. God's got this six, seven thousand year plan, and it seems amazing, but to him it's a week, right? But his goal was what, he, what was lost in the garden was to be restored back. And God's wanting his presence and his power to be among his people. He's always wanted to dwell among his people. So when Jesus came, Jesus being 100% God, but also 100% man at the same time. Jesus came as God, and God, through Jesus, tabernacled among us for a time. But Jesus said, and John, you can read through John 14 through 16, he was telling his disciples, I'm going away, it's better for you that I go. I'm sure the disciples thought, man, up until this point, everything he said was true. There's no way it's better that you go, Jesus, you know. But Jesus said, no, it's, it's better that I go because when I leave, I will send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you. And he will lead you into all truth. And so when Jesus left, the disciples, he told them, go wait in Jerusalem. They were there from the Passover time through Pentecost. And they were dwelling there, praying around the temple area. And when the day of Pentecost fully came, we, need, we know the Spirit of God came in as a rushing mighty wind, and they were filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. And that was the birth of the church. And then as they were clothed with power, they went out doing the same things Jesus did and what he taught them to do. But you notice that the Holy Spirit has come now to tabernacle among us. So you might say, well, where's God the Father right now? We all know he's in heaven, okay, that Paul called it the third heaven. He's in heaven, seated on the throne. Where's Jesus right now? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. So who is the person of the Godhead who's with us in this room right now? The Holy Spirit. So... The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Son and the Father. He is a person. He can be grieved. And um, he wants to dwell among us. And the Holy Spirit's presence and power needs to be in our lives. And so with that said, what I wanted to talk about in this series, I encourage you, if you haven't heard these other first five, that you go back and make sure and listen to them. 
The last one that I did had to do with healing a broken home. And we dealt with some generational things. It was actually a very powerful night. And I remember as we was going through the altar time, we, my dad helped me, but he spoke a blessing, a father's blessing. And we went through and prayed with individual people and led them in a prayer. We took time, and you could feel some generational stuff leave I'm every single person and God releasing a generational blessing. And it was very powerful. So if you get a chance, go back and make sure you hear that one. But this is on the other side of that. Now we're dealing with God's presence in our home. Is your home a place of God's presence? Is it easy to pray and read the word, or is it easy to fight? Think about it for a minute. You can have atmospheres. You know, spiritually speaking, your home has an atmosphere. It's like, for example, when you go up north to the polar vortex land that I told you about, there are certain trees and things that grow there that will never survive in uh, Florida, right? But there's things down in the south, like palm trees or whatever, that will never survive up north. It's a different climate. And when news reports, they talk about something coming through, you may have um, a tropical climate that's normally pretty warm and there's a certain vegetation, everything's used to that climate. You may have some insane cold weather come through, but it's just an aberration. It's just something that's coming through. But when it keeps coming through, it keeps coming through to the point to where now the climate is actually changing, things, the vegetation, everything will change to line up with that climate. So in the same way, some people have had an atmosphere, a climate, spiritually, in their home, that may not be very good. It's, it's easy to fight, it's difficult to pray, and it's not a good atmosphere. And the Lord is wanting to begin to move his presence in. And somebody may put on like a, a live stream service or something, and they feel the power of God surge into their home, but... It's an aberration because it comes in and then the next day or two it kind of fades. But what would it be like for the presence of God to begin to move into somebody's property the same way as he, he's here tonight and begin to take up residence? I'll tell you what will happen. Everything will begin to change spiritually in that home. I don't believe this is an exaggeration, but my wife will tell you, we feel the same presence of the Lord here tonight. We feel this in our home. You know, when we pray, we feel this in our home. Um, When we pray together, especially when we pray together at night. But there's a protocol to heaven. You can't hold hands with the devil and hold hands with God and play games and all that garbage. You can't have junk in your home and expect God to dwell there. I'll get into all that. But God wants to come. It's God's will to tabernacle among his people. He wants his presence there. He wants his power there. He wants to be with us. So take inventory as I'm going through this because if you'll you'll allow God to shift the atmosphere of your home spiritually, things that have been stubborn and difficult will begin to change also. Is there peace in your home? Is there sweet rest in your home in the presence of God? Do you sleep well? 
or do you find it really difficult to sleep? This may sound funny, but the presence of God, and I believe doctors will confirm this, if you're in a strife-filled, stressful environment, it can affect your health. It can affect the way your food even digests. But when you're in peace, you know, it's different. Your health is affected. Spiritual growth. Is it easy to grow spiritually? Are there healthy family relationships? Are there powerful prayer lives? Is there revelation from the Lord and his clear leading? These are things that are important. And we can have them in our home when there's an atmosphere shift. And some people maybe have never heard a sermon along these lines, but it will change your life if you apply it, trust me. So first off, what we need to do is we need to take inventory of our home and remove any idolatry or anything else that would grieve the Holy Spirit. When the children of Israel, I've shared this before, but when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, you have to understand how radical this was. Egypt was the world's superpower of that time. They had the biggest, most powerful economy. They had the biggest military. Everybody would have been scared if Egypt was going to go to war with you, okay? They were very wealthy. They were there by the Nile. They were a very prosperous nation. And God had used um, Joseph to go before Israel and bring in the children of Israel into the land called the land of Goshen. And when those plagues started coming down, remember, after a couple plagues or so, God put his miraculous protection over Israel, and they were in the land of Goshen. They were inside of Egypt. But even though everything else was coming down on Egypt, these hailstones were destroying their crops. Sickness was destroying their cattle. Remember all this? Frogs were going all over their house. How many of you guys would be grossed out by that one right there? Gnats were everywhere. Things were going on. In the, in the land of Goshen, after the first couple of plagues or so, God, God put a protection there where even though it was happening everywhere else, it wasn't happening there. And God began to totally dismantle and destroy the Egyptian economy. Their livestock, their crops, everything was hindered. The Nile turned to blood, so all the fish died. So all the fishermen were now out of work. And God brought the children of Israel out with all these powerful plagues that he brought on Egypt. And as they're coming out, the Bible says that before they did, they had the first, the first uh, Passover meal. And they had to take the blood of the lamb and, and paint it on the doorpost of their home, bring their family under the blood. And as they came out, God blessed Israel to plunder the Egyptians that all that years of slavery, Egypt, all the people of Egypt were just giving them all their gold, their silver, their copper, all their goods, and were just like, get out of our land here, take everything, leave. And God plundered the Egyptians. And the Bible says they came out, there was none sick, and there was none feeble among them. So they came out healthy, and they came out plundering the Egyptians with great wealth. And they stood before the Red Sea, and 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says that they were baptized into Moses through the Red Sea. And so the power of them being baptized immersed through that water, so to speak, symbolically. And they go through, and that water that baptized them destroyed their enemies, separated them from Egypt. 
And now they were moving forward with God. But all these stories begin to trickle out of Egypt and get into the land of Canaan. And those people begin to be terrified of Israel. And they begin to say to themselves, the Israelites are coming toward us. And their God is more powerful than Egypt's gods. Because their God demolished Egypt. And if they're coming here, then their God is going to be coming with them. And they begin to get scared. And so the Canaanites, who were, you know, idol worshipers and all that, they begin to take silver and gold and melt it down, and they beat it into these little demon god idols that they would pray to and worship. And they begin to bury these things under their home and put them maybe in their walls of their home. And they were, they were praying to their, their little demon gods that they would be protected, that when Israel came, they wouldn't be able to harm them. But God had promised Israel, he said, when you go into this land flowing with milk and honey, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you homes that you didn't build. I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't plant. Remember that? I'm going to give you wells you didn't dig. I haven't had to dig a well. But think about that for a minute. All right. So this was a major blessing. But when Israel came in, God did not want them to begin to go into these homes that were built by Canaanites who worshipped demon gods and did all kinds of things I'm not going to get into. But he didn't want them coming into those homes where these little idols were in their home and the atmosphere of their home was going to be polluted. And so in Leviticus chapter 14, I believe it is, you can look it up, it talks about leprosy in the home. And it says that God told them, whenever you go into the land and you go dwell into a house, He said, if I put a spreading leprosy in that house, you need to call for the priest and cleanse that house. And so there would be these green and red streaks that would appear on the wall. And they would know something weird's going on. How many of you guys know if you wake up in the morning and there's some kind of green and red streaks growing on your walls, something's funny going on, right? And so they would freak out and they would go to the priest. And God had told the priest, when you go in to scrape that off, pray over it, you know, cleanse it, and seal it up for seven days, and come back. But when they came back, if the leprosy spread again, God told the priesthood, he said, it's a, it's a spreading leprosy, and that house needs to be destroyed. You need to pull it down brick by brick, stone by stone, whatever they used, pull it all down, and take it out of the city and, and cleanse it, okay? Because probably, the Bible doesn't say this, but most likely there was something may be buried up in those walls, those old demon gods. And God didn't want them living with that filth in their homes spiritually. And so we've got to go through our lives in clean house. Ephesians 2.2 says this, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air, of the air that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Well, it talks about how we used to live. But 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. And so Paul, it's interesting that Paul calls that there's a spirit in Satan's kingdom called the spirit of the world. And it's really interesting because Paul talked about this man named Demas that served with him in the ministry for a time, But you don't know a lot about Demas, but you do know one thing. Man, he blew it. 
Because Paul wrote and said, you know, he said, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. So there's a, like a seducing spirit of the world that wants to pull people away from Jesus into the things of the world. How many of you guys can see that? So the Bible says that we don't have the spirit of the world. So what we need to be careful about is that we're not allowing things in the home that are going to bring a spiritual pollution. Because I don't know about you, I want God's manifest presence in my home And I want his holy angels around my home. But I do not want demonic spirits trafficking through my home. How many would agree with that? Well, I'll tell you how to get demons in your home. Start watching pornography in your home. Start bringing witchcraft paraphernalia in your home. All right, here's a couple things. People put their trust in many things other than God. Just pray about this. But I see this a lot in the body of Christ, especially in America. Um, whether it's something like uh, an over, overly focused on uh, the natural health and nutrition or medical science or worldly, worldly advice, and worldly psychiatry, the things of this world. They, so many people in the body of Christ, they go outside of the Bible and they want to go to these other things. And they don't, sometimes they don't realize it. But if they're not careful, those things can be a snare to them. Because number one, it can become an idol in your life that you trust in that more than God. Did you know an idol is anything worship? But an idol is also anything that you trust in more than God. So, you know, when I'm talking to Christians about removing idols, I'm pretty sure that most people in this room are not going to go home tonight and cook food and sit in front of a little Buddha. Most of you are not going to be burning incense to a Hindu demon god tonight, okay? So I'm not really talking about those type of idols, although if that's there, you need to get rid of it, okay? (laughs) Let me say that. Just for the record. People don't realize it, but these things that like that that, ha- that are satanic, that are connected to Satan worship or it's connected to other gods, they don't realize it, but it acts like a, like a lightning rod. Um, for example, you know, I know people may not understand this from outside of spirit-filled circles, but the Apostle Paul in Ephesians took handkerchiefs and aprons. This is Acts chapter 19. It's in the Bible. Handkerchiefs and aprons were brought to him, and, you know, they, he prayed over it or whatever, but there was an anointing that got in these things. He sent them out. Because back then it would be hard. They didn't have vehicles to travel. If somebody was really sick, it would be hard to go a long distance to church, okay? So anyway, he was praying over this stuff, sending it out, and it says in the Bible that when they took those handkerchiefs and aprons and put them on sick people, they were healed, and people that had demons, it came out of them. All right. Just like that, or... You know, you can put on a powerful revival service, and you guys know what I'm talking about. You put on a powerful revival service at home, you begin to worship, you can feel the power of God that's in that service. You can feel that come into your home. All right, in the same way, though, on the flip side, when people are bringing satanic stuff into their home, they don't realize it, but there's like an evil anointing, if you will, on it. But it's acting like a lightning rod to draw in the demonic into their home. 
And so go through your house and clean house and make sure there's not things that go back to like Freemasonry, that go back to the worship of other gods, pentagrams, goat's heads, things that are satanic for whatever reason, maybe you have them from your past. Um, And I would say even video games and movies that are satanic like that. Be careful. These things can be doorways for demonic spirits. All right. Also, once you cleanse out all the idolatry, the worship of other gods, the occult, the witchcraft, you get all that stuff out of your home. The next thing I would say is you need to make an effort to not fight and go to bed angry. In Ephesians, it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Another translation, don't go to bed angry with, you know, basically unresolved issues. I can just see as people do that, maybe they have a big fight, they blow up, they're going off on each other, and then they just go to sleep and they don't deal with it. They don't forgive. Unforgiveness is, is really an open door for the enemy. They don't forgive. They don't get things under the blood. I can just see like a patio door kind of opening and their home is vulnerable to something in the middle of the night beginning to oppress them. They wake up the next day, it's like, man, things seem to have gotten went from bad to worse. We got to obey the Bible and make sure that we, um, before we go to bed, that we forgive anybody we need to and that in our home there's peace. Forgive each other. Talk about things. I had one pastor tell me, he said that, you know, him and his wife, he would make her sometimes stay up for a couple hours till they could get peace in the home and pray together if they were having an argument or something. So, you need to deal with that stuff because it, be, it can be a doorway. Okay, next one is a home that's out of order. Since I've already preached on these things, I'm, I'll move quickly. But remember, God's put the husband as the head of the home. The wife is to submit unto the husband in everything as unto the Lord. And children are to honor and obey their parents. When things are out of order, then there's going to be rebellion in that home. And that also can be where the atmosphere is going to be polluted big time. And it's a door. It's a door for things like a Jezebel spirit, which you guys are familiar with. Tolerating dishonesty. Yeah, I remember I said something about stealing books. Somebody's like, oh my goodness. Anyway, that was just an example I was using. But just any type of dishonesty, you know, let me just say a few things that might be new to some people to hear. But if you're dealing with, well, first off, you deserve what you tolerate. Okay, whatever, whatever you, you're putting up with, you kind of deserve it. There was this um, pastor talking about this big old guy. I mean, big old hoss comes into his office. And he's got this teenager, and the teenager's, you know, smart-mouthing him and being disrespectful and stuff. And the man sitting there just kind of crying, saying, I don't know what to do with him. And the, the pastor just said, well, when you get home... <laughs> Take your belt off, administer some corporal punishment in love, and God will turn things around for you, sir. But you, <laughs> you deserve what you tolerate. I'll tell you kind of a funny story. There's a friend of ours, a, a friend of my dad and I, this is a true story. And, um, you know, sometimes there can be these, these weird racial tensions that are just stupid anyway, but let's do the whole story. So there was, he's driving the bus. And there's these kids that keep acting up. He's having to get on to them. 
And he, he gets on to this one kid's the worst. He just keeps acting up, and he has to get on to him. And finally, um, this kid that was the worst was in danger of being kicked off the bus. And um, the next morning, he rolls up, and that little boy as his dad. And he said his dad looked like he played for the Green Bay Packers, man. He said this guy was huge. And he was standing there with his little boy, and he gets on the bus, and he thought, dear Jesus, <laughs> so, it's over. I'm a dead man. And the guy got on there, and his kid went and sat down, and the guy said, are you having problems with my kid? <laughs> yes, sir. He said, well, what's going on? He said, well, he's doing this, this, and this, and this. And the dad goes back there, and uh, grabs his son by the backpack <laughs> and picks him up like this, carries him off the bus and says, sir, you will not have another problem after today and leaves the bus. And he said after that day, he said that boy gets on that bus and it's yes, sir, no, sir. You know, he sits there. <laughs> you deserve what you tolerate. That's a good dad. It is. But also, when you're dealing with things in the home that, let me say this too, I've seen people make this mistake. Say you've got somebody that's now age of 18 years old, and they're old enough to be an adult and move out on their own, okay? And they're under your roof, but they're doing things that you, you're very much against. Like maybe they're sneaking illegal drugs into your house, or maybe they're, they're um, sneaking around doing other things that, that you know is not supposed to be going on. You, this is going to be very difficult for some people, and some people need to hear this. But as long as you're tolerating that in your home, your home is probably going to be filled with a lot of problems. And so in love, it may be very difficult, but in love, you need to really pray about what you need to do because it may be for their best. Now, you guys know what I'm talking about with an enabler? I've seen grandparents that, They've got a little grandson that they love. He can just do no wrong. The guy's a drug dealer. He's got all kinds of problems. And every time he comes crying to grandma, I don't know, I don't have any money. And, you know, she's just giving him money and, oh, it's okay. And she's just enabling that lifestyle. But you've got to be somebody that's going to put a home in order and going to guard that home and not put up with stuff that's not supposed to be there. Amen? All right, also other things that will open the door for the enemy and create like a, a spiritual atmosphere you don't want are things that bring bondage. I mentioned pornography, but what about things like drugs or you know, people that struggle with alcohol, um, tobacco addictions, gambling addictions? I've never in my life had a gambling. I've, I've known people that do. I just don't understand, you know, going and taking your hard-earned money and just throwing it away on something but but some people it's just such a bondage to them but these things that you allow in your home things see the bible says god has not given us a spirit of bondage and i believe that's romans chapter 8 you look it up there is a spirit of bondage and when people are allowing this stuff this addictive stuff in their home it can bring bondage disrespecting authority again as i mentioned earlier you cannot put up with people that are disrespecting authority in your home that is a Jezebel spirit. It's a rebellious spirit. And I already mentioned about as children get older, you may have to 
if they're adults, you may have to kick them out if they're not going to line up with what you need your home to be, um, what needs to be going on in your home. I know it's hard for some people, but it may be necessary for there to be peace and order in the home. Now, I'll tell you something else. I've heard of meddling family members trying to get involved in personal business and really causing a lot of problems in a home. You may have to, in a loving way, tell some of your family members to butt out of your personal home. Amen? What about ungodly entertainment? You know, nowadays, it's not that easy to, um, to watch a lot of movies and television, is it, as a Christian? I don't foresee it getting better, people. So, but anyway, as people are watching stuff, and it's coming through the computer or the television, and it's just, I mean, just profanity, it's, it's nudity, it's things that's causing lust, uh, maybe just like a horror movies where it's real scary slasher movies things like that and witchcraft garbage like that <clears throat> they don't realize what they're letting in their home if they if they somehow could see if their eyes for just 30 seconds were opened to see what was coming in their home man they they would be scared half to death they'd be running to the local pastor help you know so just be wise and be careful about what you're allowing in your home. Now, I was told that I should mention this, and so I'm going to in this series, but there are parents that focus too much on a child and not enough on each other. And when the child gets older and moves out, they end up in divorce. So don't make your whole marriage about raising a child, okay? There's also people that spoil children. Give them everything they ever want. Don't ever tell them no. Be careful with that because if you're not careful, you can literally ruin their life. Let me tell you a story. I knew a guy. I really don't believe anybody will even know who I'm talking about. Um, But anyway, he was a friend of mine, but he was in his, I believe he was in his 50s at the time. He died about 10 years later. But anyway, he was in his 50s at the time. And this guy, man, he was an only child. He was adopted by an older couple that spoiled him. And he'll tell you that. He would tell you that. But, I mean, he was totally spoiled. And I love him. He was a friend. But I'm going to tell you that he had to have his way. And he was kind of a big baby if he didn't get his way. And he was a difficult person sometimes. And his parents did that to him because they never told him no. So don't spoil the child. When they get older, it can really mess up. If they're, if, if they're not raised right, how are they going to have a healthy marriage one day when they always have to have their way? How many of y'all know that don't work in marriage? How many of you guys married? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that when you're married, you're not going to always get your way. Or maybe that's just my marriage, right? (laughs) I've got the pulpit. I'm actually really nice. My wife's great. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, another thing is that I was told to mention this as well, that 
that there's actually I'm, I'm sure it's fine. My mother told me she knows of two marriages that were destroyed because one of the spouses focused everything on an elderly parent and it ruined their marriage. I guess the point is this. You really need to cherish your marriage and work on your marriage. And that needs to come before other things. Okay. But anyway, these things can really bring a pollution into your home when you've got all this fighting and strife, you've got this ungodly entertainment, you've got lustful things going on. It, it can affect the environment. Now let me flip side this. Go through, go through your home and clean house. If there's music you need to throw out, if there's movies you need to get rid of, then man, by all means, get rid of it, you know? And let, let your life just be just purged of all that junk because that spirit of the world, all that's been, and it may be other things, occult stuff or, or lustful stuff, all that's going to do is try to wrap around you like a python snake and squeeze the life out of you spiritually and make it extremely difficult to grow in the Lord. And years ago, my wife and I, when, when we got married, we went through and really made sure everything in the home, just anything that needed to go, we made sure and get rid of anything and just clean house and really pray over that house. I didn't put this in your notes because it'd be too long, but on the online notes, I have added to this about where it says cleansing and blessing and dedicating a home. And so you can pull that off the internet, but I really recommend that you do that. And now because we cleaned house and got everything like it's supposed to be, um, the presence of God now is there very strong. And I believe that um, God wants that for you. All right, here's a couple things. How do you get an open heaven? I mean, how, how is it going to be this open heaven, the presence of God in your home? I mean, how can you have that? Well, let's look at a couple things. In Genesis 28, verse 10, Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones and placed it under his head to lay in that place. If, you, if you're sleeping with your head on a rock, you're going to have dreams. Amen. And um, he had a dream that night. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching the heavens. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and the east, the north and south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. How many agree with that right there? Through Israel, all the nations have been blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and says, Surely the Lord is in this place. Now take note of that statement. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. He was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And this is not an isolated incident. In Deuteronomy, well, let's go down this. John 151. Now, this is Jesus. Jesus says to um, one of his disciples, Truly I say to you that you will see heaven open, the heavens open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
Now think about that. How many of you guys would like to have seen that? You're with Jesus. All of a sudden the heavens open. Angels ascending and descending on Jesus. He said that they would see it. In Deuteronomy 28:23, there was a curse that said, if you disobey the Bible, that the sky over your head would be bronze and the ground beneath you iron. But in another place, you can look this up, it says if you'll obey the Bible and do what's right, he said, I'll open the heavens above you and send my rain on your land and season and I'll bless the works of your hands. It's an open heaven, spiritually speaking. And then James 5, 16, how do we get an open heaven? By pressing in. The earnest, this is the Amplified Version, which I love this scripture in the Amplified. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man will make tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Isn't that awesome? So as we press into God, we can get an open heaven over our lives, over our ministry, and over our homes. And God's presence be there. So let me give you a couple more things, and I'll, I'll just share with you some things that I've done that have impacted my home. But how many of you guys would say, honestly, Pastor Scott, I really would like God's presence. Like at church here, I would love for God's presence to be in my home. Seriously, think about it. How many want that? The presence of God can come in, but the Lord, you've got to guard that presence, and you, and you have to not allow things that's going to drive that presence back out. So the first thing you want to do is what I've already mentioned, just cleansing the home. You want to apply the blood and speak blessings. There was a pastor friend that years ago, he was doing some teaching on like spiritual warfare. And back then, there was some Satanism or something going on, I think, near where his church was. And so he had some people in. My wife will remember this, actually. He had some people come in. And that we're going to speak about this in his church. And because of some of the satanic ritualistic stuff going on in that um, city and surrounding areas, actually there were police officers that came to this conference. And he was telling me, he said, man, when I started talking about this stuff, he said, all hell broke loose. He said, I really believe the devil was giving people my phone number. He said, there were people calling me with the weirdest things on the, on the other end of the line. He said, all this mysterious stuff going on and um and there was people that were coming on the church at night and trying to curse the church and one time in particular he showed up while they were doing it and they all jumped in a van and peeled out you know and so he was asking the lord he said man you know i've already committed to this and all hell is breaking loose what do i do and the lord spoke to him and he said i want you to stake out this property and consecrate it unto me and seal it off spiritually. And so this is what he said he felt led to do. He went down to like Home Depot or something. He bought those wooden stakes, you know what I'm talking about? Wrote some scriptures. And he went and walked that property to the four corners of that property and drove the stake in the ground. And he marked it off and he prayed over it, applied the blood, and he sealed off that property. And he said after he really did that and prayed, he said that stuff stopped in the church. They couldn't get through. And there was another minister that I know that was talking about, and I can confirm this as well because we've had to do this. When you cleanse a house, the power of communion, the power of the blood 
Man, that is so powerful. And he talked about that there was people that he'd ministered to over the years. When you've been in ministry for a long time, you feel like you've seen it all. And I've only been in the ministry 20 years, and I feel like I've seen everything. There's guys that's been in for 50 years. But, they'll, you know, you go to somebody's house, and it's like there's all this crazy, weird, demonic stuff going on. So what in the world? You know? But as you begin to take communion, this minister was saying that there was this one house that was really bad. And these people, and well, think about it for a minute. You don't know what was in that house before you. You guys, there's a minister, you guys will know who I'm talking about, that was so deeply involved in the occult. Remember out of Wisconsin? And he said his house, every room in his house, he had one bedroom that was dedicated like a a satanic high witch altar. (laughs) They would do stuff in there. They had another room dedicated to something else, and they would do satanic rituals in there. He said that after they sold that home, he wasn't a Christian yet, but the guy that bought the home was fine, but he moved into the home and died of cancer within like six weeks or something, or six months, I don't remember. But it was just every single room was dedicated to something. So you don't know what was there before you. But anyway, and so this, this family was in this home, and this pastor was saying it was so bad, but he wanted them all to come together and let's pray and let's take communion, let's bring this place under the blood. And he said he felt the Lord tell him to do this. They prayed together and took communion, and he went out, in their yard and he took like a shovel or something and and cracked that ground open and by faith he put the body and then he poured out the blood of Jesus and he said when he did that it was like pow just this explosion and all that stuff left that property the power of the blood of Jesus there's nothing like the blood of Jesus to break the power of the devil so when you consecrate this land think about the power of the blood maybe mark off the property walk it put the blood of the lord into that land and the children of israel had to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and um i don't think it would be stretching it i've heard of other people doing it maybe take communion juice but apply the blood over different rooms that's up to you anointing but these things are powerful and when you do this you're basically cleansing that land and sealing it off where the enemy cannot traffic there anymore amen all right, but then once you cleanse it, you need to go through and bless that property. And I have in here blessings. I don't have time to teach on blessings. I've taught so much on it. I feel like you guys know, but go through and speak blessings over that home. That is extremely powerful. And keep doing it. Every day when you pray, maybe just have a little blessing that you keep speaking over that home. And over time, those blessings are going to really impact things. One of the things, one of the many, many things we learn from our Jewish roots um, in Christianity, in our Hebrew roots, our heritage, is the speaking of blessings. Remember, Jesus, whenever he had little children brought to him, the Bible says he, he didn't pray over those little children. He didn't prophesy over those little children. What does it say he did? He blessed them. Speaking of blessing. So speak blessings throughout your property and persistent worship and prayer. Keep praying. I, I've got to tell this story. So we, we, were, we started this thing out of our house. It's really just a cell group. And recently, not that long ago, we've moved in here. We're doing a church plant. But back then, um, I remember Brother Zach was upstairs and he was sitting in this chair and he was praying. And he was like, man what's going on you know and he asked me later he said (laughs) 
he said, is there anything about that chair up there I need to know about? And I was like, well, that's my, where my wife prays every day. Yeah, I had to... <laughs> Listen to this story. So Perry Stone told this, and I thought this was neat. How many of you guys have seen the movie War Room? If you haven't seen it, go get it. Go buy it. Buy it for other people, okay? But anyway, it's really good. And this will sound like War Room, but this was preached a long time ago. Anyway, Perry was saying that there was this old woman that was a powerful intercessor, and she had this little white chair that she prayed in in this room. It sounded just like this movie. And she, she had a little Bible, and she would just pray there and pray there. And she did this for so many years, and then she had raised up another young lady, and she died, and this, this other lady got the chair and began to pray. So this goes down to where this lady is really elderly now, and, and she's friends with Perry Stone. And Perry was like, he really, he said, man, I've got to get an answer from God about this. It was serious. He was praying about some direction. He could not get clarity. And the woman told him, said, I want you to sit in this chair, and I want you to ask God. He's like, what? She said, just, and he said, he said, you don't, and you guys know this, you don't ever tell old women intercessors no. <laughs> I know from experience. And so he learned. He got the little swat, you know. So he sat, he sat down, and um, he said as soon as he sat there and started praying, he said, man, he said it was just opened up to him. And he got a piece of paper and drew exactly what he needed. And it was something about a blueprint for his facility that they had to build. And it's exactly to this day what they needed. It was perfect. So what's the deal about the chair? I don't know. But I do believe, I do believe, just like Jacob. Listen, I do believe like Jacob. See, what happened was, a lot of people don't realize this. But you know, you know Jacob slept with that rock. man. <laughs> There had to be some better way to... Anyway, he slept with that rock, and he had that vision of the ladder. But see, what a lot of people don't realize is this was probably what's called the, the area was called Luz at that time. But this was where Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac, okay, and later became the Temple Mount where Solomon dedicated to God. But this was a place that Abraham went before him and prayed and built an altar to God. Somebody went before him and prayed and built an altar and got an open heaven and consecrated that land. And he didn't even know it, but he stumbled across that. And when he slept, he had a vision in the spirit of what actually it looked like in the spirit realm. Isn't that interesting? So with that said, the more that you keep doing something, that's what I was talking about. One thing is I mentioned about a benefit of of something like a Talit is just that there's a resident anointing that can really get in something that you're praying with continually. But, but anyway, nonetheless, as you keep praying and keep worshiping, keep praying, you're going to get an open heaven. And whenever you see that open, there's a place in my house I pray every day. And it's a, it's a nice, comfortable chair. Okay, I don't know what that, that woman was thinking about that wood chair. You know, they do have lazy boys out there, and they're not that expensive. She should have took up an offering or something. I don't know. But anyway, I've got this nice, comfortable chair, and I pray there every day. And so when I pray, I can sit there and immediately feel God's presence because it's something that goes on every day. Is this making sense to anybody? There can be an open heaven and the presence of God there residual. And there's no reason why, if you'll keep being persistent in your worship and your praying, to have an open heaven over your property and the presence of God there. I guarantee you, 
just like I remember at Brownsville. Man, this is so funny. This heathen guy comes in, and I mean to tell you, I was there, so I know. This heathen guy comes in and just starts crying and shaking. He said, man, it feels like electricity in here. And that's the way it feels in the presence of God. But when you have years of, of worship and prayer going up, the skies open and God's presence comes in a place really powerful. And you can feel it. You can feel, I can feel it when I come in here. And another thing that I do, here's the last couple things, last three things. And next, next week, I'm going to talk about um, some things that go back to our Hebrew roots. I, I don't want you to miss. I believe it will really bless you next week, okay? But here's the last couple things. One of the things I do, at, especially at night, is I try to put on some anointed worship services, like from our ministry or maybe some other, like, you know, revival type thing. And I pray, Lord, you know, this is just going to be playing like a computer or whatever, but, Lord, let the atmosphere of heaven come in this place. And you can feel it. You can feel the presence of God start coming in. See, they didn't have that opportunity back in Paul's day, right? There wasn't no computers. And so, you know, we can seize the opportunity to have um, the presence of God that's captured. How many guys have watched something on television? Maybe um, God TV or you watch something on your computer and you felt the power of God on that thing. How many guys can say that? All right, you can have pray that God's presence and power invade your home, number one. Number two, my wife and I pray together, and this is important. Because there's unity. We pray together every night before we go to bed. She speaks a blessing over me. I speak a blessing over her. We pray together and we ask the Holy Spirit to come and let his presence tabernacle there. And that we will sleep in the presence of God. And we pray over each other and it's very powerful. And as we've been doing that over and over, I'm telling you there's a strong presence there. I'm only sharing that because I want to stir up your faith to believe God that if God would do it, the Bible says he's no respecter person. If he'd do it for me, he'd do it for anybody. So God wants his presence in your home too. Did you know that Evan Roberts, a lot of people don't know this, the great Welsh revivalist, Welsh saw this amazing move of God. But before the revival broke out in Wales, Evan Roberts was actually quite young and he was living at home and the Spirit of God began to visit him at night. And he said he would wake up and it was like this blanket of God's glory on him. And he, he loved God's presence so much and God was preparing him in his presence. And he was concerned that when he went off to Bible school that that would not go with him. Seriously, he was worried about it. And he was tentative. He didn't really want to go. And then he goes off to Bible school and we know the story. He was really groaning and crying out to God for souls and he had that vision where it was like, remember that? There was a cash register, cha-ching, and there was 100,000 souls given to him. And his friend came in and saw him just like glowing. And he said, would you believe for 100,000 souls? They probably saw 100,000 souls saved in the first three, three to six months in that revival. All that nation was shaken with the power of God. This is how powerful it was. That you can look in Wales, I believe it's 19, let's see, 1908 two or three right in there that they had to cancel their Super Bowl if you will and it says officially in the books it was um, it's canceled due to revival because that whole nation was shaken with the power of God everybody was getting saved everybody buying Bibles all the bars were shutting down everything was changing but it all started I want you to think about this for a minute it all started 
with somebody having a visitation from God in their bedroom by themselves. The last thing is the morning and evening sacrifice. You guys know in the scriptures that, remember you'd read it, say about the time of the morning sacrifice or about the time of the evening sacrifice, such and such would happen. Every day, consistently, every morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, Israel had to, to sacrifice a lamb, and it was, it was a worship to God, but it was also, you know, a cleansing for the nation. And then every evening at 3 o'clock, and so they did this morning and evening every single day. And so with that said, in the morning time, I really pray. Um, I usually take the Lord's Supper. It says in the Bible, do it as often as you want to. So that's, I take advantage of that. All right. I take it in the morning time, and I pray. But every morning, I ask God, just cleanse and consecrate this home. Bring it under your blood. And I take communion there. And um, I usually will take some of that and just pour that out side on my property and say, Lord, let the heavens open. Let your presence be here. Now, I've been doing that for so long that the presence of God is coming in. And then my wife and I pray together at night. But I believe as I'm praying in the morning like that, we pray together at night and ask God, <clears throat> Lord, if there's anything not of you, just cleanse it out of this property. Let, your, let the heavens be open. Let your presence be here. As we've been doing that consistently now for years, that's why the presence of God is there. You see the biblical pattern? Keep pressing into God. All right, so I don't have it here, but if you want it, it's on our website, Cleansing Blessing, Dedicating Land, and it walks you through what you can do and how you can pray, okay? And, of course, if you ever feel that there's something evil in your home, as a Christian, you have authority. If you're not a Christian, you've got a bunch of sin in your life, I feel sorry for you, friend. <laughs> but anyway, if you're a Christian, which all of us are, okay, you're under the blood of Jesus, and you have authority. And if you feel something creepy or weird in your house, in Jesus' name, I bind this. Get out of this property right now in the name of Jesus. Take authority over the enemy, okay? And God will clear that stuff away. So, Lord, I thank you for the power of, of your word tonight, that you would begin to invade people's homes. Y'all agree with me, because I'm telling you, God will do it. Lord, that as they begin to go through and just clean out anything that needs to go, it's kind of like the Passover time. In Jesus' day, even till now, they go through and clean out any leaven out of the home. And that's in essence what Jesus was doing when he was driving the, the money changers out of the temple. He was cleansing that temple for his father that it would be holy. Lord, as we go through and we clear out of our properties things that have been defiling our homes, and Lord, we bring that property under the blood, maybe through communion and applying the blood to that property, maybe anointing it, and we pray, Lord, I'm asking you that the heavens open and let your manifest presence begin to invade these homes in an awesome way. Just like what you've done for my wife and I, Lord, that people will feel like they're here in the altars at church as they lay in their bed at night and, and your presence envelops them, Lord, as there's an open heaven and your glory is in that home in an awesome way. And, Lord, give your people the grace and the strength Lord, to get any sin out, but also to bring that home in order. If there's something that needs to be dealt with, if there's a relative that needs to be simply told to mind their own business, if there's, if there's some discipline that needs to take place in that home, give them the grace and the strength, Lord, to rise up in their godly authority and put things in order. 
Because as they do that, you will back them up. And Lord, bring your presence and your power in their lives, in their homes, in an awesome way. Let the atmosphere shift in Jesus' name. Even as maybe tonight, people go home and they may play the worship set from tonight in their home. Lord, I pray that that atmosphere of heaven will invade their properties in an awesome way and stay. It's not just going to be an aberration. It's going to be literally a change of atmosphere in that home, which will result in a change of culture in that home. Let it come, Lord, and give them rich, powerful prayer lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Let it come. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and shut down recordings, brother. Those that want prayer tonight, we're going to be happy to pray for you. If you want prayer about some of the things we talked about, let me just say this too. Jesus talked about the wise and foolish virgins in Matthew 25. You should read that. All of them were virgins. All of them had some oil. All of them had lamps. The only difference was the wise virgins had extra oil. And they were the ones that were ready when the bridegroom came, when Jesus came. It's no accident that people are here. God, God is all about divine appointments. Amen. But we need that extra oil to be ready for the coming of the Lord. We do. We need a fresh anointing on our lives. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Read the Bible. How many times did it say something like this? And Peter, being filled with the Spirit, spoke. How many times have you read that? Now, things like that are through the Scriptures. And when Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We need the infilling of the Spirit. This is what will not only change our homes, it'll change our whole lives. And it'll change our whole ministry. So tonight, if you want a fresh touch from the Lord, and most people will, feel free to get prayer. And just tell Jesus, Lord, I'm not going to be afraid. I want everything you have for me. Some people, it may be new to them. You know, I understand. I remember preaching at a home um, for young people that they came from every background imaginable. Every ethnic group, every type of denomination, every sin. And we'd be praying for people. There'd be somebody getting delivered of a demon. This person getting physically healed. This person getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was so powerful. But when Jesus comes, nothing's going to stay the same. When he comes, Jesus is so powerful. What happened when Jesus came to the temple on his day? He cleaned it out. Then what? He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He drove out demons. You know, that's just the power of God. So I encourage you, don't, don't be afraid of Jesus. Just say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I want it. I want to be filled with your spirit. Empower me and help me to be the, the light and the um, salt you want me to be in this world. And so, Lord, come and set people free tonight. Lord, empower your people in Jesus' name. All right, let's go ahead. Brother, put on some worship.